and it's another Essential Dynamics Day. I am so glad to be back. My name is Reed McCollum, and I am your host. I've been on vacation a great deal, uh, but uh, I am delighted to be back today to uh, introduce Anne McTaggart. She is wonderful. Anne, are you there? I am, Reed. Thanks for inviting me. I am so glad you're here. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And uh, as I'm contractually obligated to uh, also introduce, uh, there's Mr. Derek Hudson. Our Derek, are you there? Reed, happy to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on my show. You're, uh, it is my pleasure, really, honestly. Uh, I I wanted to come back, Derek, because last time we talked on when I was uh, when I was dropping in to see how you were doing. Uh, we got a little distracted, as we often do, and uh, and discussed uh, nuclear annihilation. Uh, I was wondering if we completed the topic on business leaders, because I still don't know how to be a business leader, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, so, so many thoughts, Reed. Um, one of the things we found on Essential Dynamics, the podcast, and and the framework itself, is a lot of. Th- things that apply to business also apply to us in our personal lives or in yeah, broader society. But that's why I listen. But today um, we, we would like to focus on one aspect of business leadership that we think doesn't uh, could, could warrant a lot more study. Okay. And Ann and I have spent a lot of time thinking about this topic. So, and that, and that topic we actually initially addressed, this goes going back a long ways. Um, in episode 25, which was uh, over two years ago. Oh. Yeah, April 2021. We talked about management attention is the ultimate constraint. Management attention is the ultimate constraint. That's one of my favorite episodes. Isn't that the one that I, I keep getting? I keep seeing a squirrel. Yeah, we <laughs> we got distracted in that episode by our own short attention spans. Ah, and we had we had actually some really good tips on um, how we could focus our own you know knowledge work a little bit better. Your writing and my consulting and stuff. And so today, what we want to do, I think, is talk about the idea that the management team of an organization has limited capacity to pay attention to things. And in fact, it's the most precious resource of the whole organization. And, and we don't usually talk about it that way. And so today we want to talk about it that way. Okay. Okay. Now, what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I sometimes am, it, deliberately so that we have something to talk about, uh, is what I hear you saying is that time is the most precious resource we have. Is that correct? Well, well time is... That's, that's one way to look at it, um, but we want to get a little bit more specific. Oh, okay. And so I'm, I think I'm going to bounce it over to Anne. And, uh, I wish see, you would. Yeah, so I can stop talking. Um, and why don't you just share what you've learned about how important seeing management attention as a critical resource is? Well, thank you for the question. <laughs> I'm on the panel. Um, how important it is, is highly related to what I've seen. It's, it's highly related to 
how big the problems are or perceived to be in front of a leader. So leaders, um, by that I mean leaders often will talk to us in our practice about, you know, they're so busy, there's so many things going on, they're trying to solve problems, um, they're trying to solve their people's problems, and they don't know even where to start. And in our practice, we often talk to them about, you know, settle down, let's have an accountability coach, let's have a conversation. And that is the first step to identifying um, that they're not paying attention to everything. They're trying to pay attention to everything and maybe not the right things. And so let's take a hypothetical, if I may. Yeah. Uh, Production is down. People are, uh, the perception is that the employees are uh, split focused. They're doing too many projects at once and, or they think so. Uh, How do I fix that? If I'm the boss and what do you mean a conversation starts with whom do I speak? Uh, You? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And and for sure. Yes. I think the conversation um, at at some point, a leader will realize that he can't figure it out all in their own head. And so having somebody to talk to a guide, for example, at unconstrained is one of those resources and um, having that conversation with somebody who who's not in the busyness helps to um, have an accountability coach and we can call them that, but we can also have somebody who's helping them to come from being in the busyness and in the, um, in the, in the business quote unquote, to being elevated above the business to allow them to sort of focus and see what's actually going on. And we often don't label it in those conversations as, oh, you know, you're not paying attention or your this is management's attention. And I would say management attention and labeling it as such is more a conceptual way. But when we have the conversation with the leader, we're not talking specifically about management attention. What we're doing is we're focusing their attention so that they can start to work through where they're stuck. Okay. So Reed, um, one of the ways that, uh, that I kind of think about it, and I think is even our most recent podcast, I'm not sure, because I've quoted more than once, Einstein saying we can't solve the problems uh, that we created at the level we were at when we created them. We have to get to a different level of thinking. And if management attention is limited, um, one of the things that's hard for management is to figure out what to pay attention to. Because, as Anne says, you're in the busyness. Yes. And so you're just keeping up, and it's very hard to step back and say, hang on, what's the most important thing for me to look at? I I would suggest another way of looking at this is I'm convinced that the most valuable time that anyone spends in an organization is the time that the leader spends uh, thinking about everything else. So the, the quiet time that a leader has for reflection and um, 
thinking about what they should be thinking about is the most value can be the most valuable time. And then the second most valuable time is when the leadership team is doing that after the leader, the CEO or whatever has, you know, set up the question or whatever that the leadership team can, uh, can deal with. Uh, so I think there's kind of three levels here that we could talk about. One is recognizing that management attention is a scarce resource. Yes that, it, yes, that it's that it's precious and it should not be wasted. The second is to then pull it out of the business and to look at the business as a system. Uh, and then the third thing is to get good at spending your time operating the business as a system. Um, I used to, uh, I think I might have shared this before, but I, I used to pull myself out of the business when our company was on the campus of the University of Alberta by walking across the street to the library and um, just sitting there with a pad of paper and nothing else. Um, so I'd done the thing about, I need to get to the next level. But what I didn't know how to do then is what to think about. I just knew I had to not be in the day-to-day, but I, I didn't have, um, certainly didn't have someone to talk to. I didn't take that opportunity. I probably did have people to talk to to try to figure out what I should, what I, you know, what I actually should be thinking about and then how I should be spending my time. But now that I've carved it out, so carving it out is the, is an important step, but beyond that, you could be far more effective in using your time and attention. Okay. I'm, I'm a director. I'm a, uh, I'm trying to, trying to put myself in your shoes. I'm a businessman. I have a business. My major problem is that I think I can do everyone's job better than than they can. Um, a you, common problem. You are not a fictional character. I'm not. No, no. And in fact, um, there's another level of that, which I've actually heard, which is, and you care more about everything than everybody else. Okay. I'm Steve Jobs. I can do everything better than you, than my employees. Right. You can do it better and you care more. So literally I heard this, the CEO said, well, how can I let someone who doesn't care as much about the product as I do to let them do it? Well, here's the thing. There's only so much time and attention that one person can place on anything. Okay. So if you want to have a, you know, one person business, uh, then you have the, the right to do that. If, uh, if you start I making, have one, I have a one person business yes. it's called unemployment. Yes. No, no, it's called acting. They're, they're similar. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. They're similar. Um, but once you get more people involved, once you make a promise to a customer, then, um, now we have to take management's attention and say, what is the most valuable thing to focus on? Which is going to mean that there are other people doing other things in the organization. Okay. I have something to add. Anne has something to add. I'd like to hear what it is. Derek, you said um, once you make a promise to a customer and, you know, that's the other thing is that leaders in the organizations, they make promises to their employees. They make promises to themselves. And um, all these promises or commitments that they're making to um, as part of their 
you know, place in society, let alone their place at their office, um, make it so that their their attention is then super divided or can be super divided. And that's what we're kind of talking about. How do you narrow um, narrow the attention to do the right thing for all of those people or things that you make promises to? All right. How, I guess that's that's the challenge. How do I narrow my focus? If I don't respect my employees as much as I respect, well, I don't respect my employees' talent. I don't respect my employees' skills as much as I respect my own. Uh, I think that's different than respecting a person. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yep. Yeah. So how, how do you solve that? Well, one of the, one of the things that we do is um, we try to help leaders step outside of the busyness step outside of being part of the production line and to have them look at their business as a system. Okay. And when you look at a business as a system, you can, we can flow that right into essential dynamics. There's a purpose. Um, And then there is a set of steps, a process or a path that are done by people. So we have our people, our path and our purpose uh, which is uh, a great way to sort of break up a system because what you don't want to do is break up a system by carving it into functions um, like we t- typically do in organization chart, engineering, sales, finance, human resources, because then everyone gets inside their little box and tries to optimize their box, which is not the same as optimizing the system. So we really want to take a systems view. And when you take a systems view, you can identify the part of the system that can't keep up with the rest of the system. And yes. that's, that's your leverage sure point. That. So expand so, on that. So in, in a, any kind of process, whether it's physical goods or intellectual or whatever, there are some things that can move things along quickly and others that take more time. And yeah. we call yeah, we call the thing that's the slowest part of that process the constraint. Right. And when you improve the system at the constraint, you get more output. When you improve the system anyplace else, the overall production is still held up by the constraint. And so you don't get more output. So that sounds like we talked about this on an earlier episode. Constraints aren't necessarily bad, but they are a key to managing the system because that's where you want to focus your time and attention is the, is the most limited part of your system. And so that's one, one way is take a systems view and then find the part of the system that needs your attention. Well, I was going to ask that about Anne. Anne earlier talked about bringing in an outside witness, an un, uh, unbiased, someone who has, I, I heard, somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight necessarily, but is wise enough to see, I guess, where the, where the constraint is. Is that correct, Anne? It is. I also think that the um, taking that system view adds um, a degree of separation. And so it allows you know, the calm or the more unbiased view for the leader to very much focus on looking at the one system 
and then identifying where this other's constraints are. But if you can get a handle on your attention and really understanding your business, uh, your business model or your value creation system, you can then focus all that attention to find out how to further improve flow. Uh, can I add one? Uh, I want to go back to something also that Derek said. So Derek said that management attention is uh, the most, we believe that it's the most scarce resource. Um, if we take the systems view, the other thing he said, sort of step three is get good at or make it a habit to have that focused management attention, which then will improve flow for all of the things. But you got to start with the leader, because if the leader starts to model this uh, reflective behavior and makes it a, a regular habit, then that can then transcend into the leadership team and um, and then the whole company will then have an, the ability to find other constraints and further improve flow. So, and you're suggesting that the leader's example mm -hmm. of doing this can be a powerful tool for improvement in the organization, which is different read than the, the leader you described that we all know who needs to touch everything. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. the leader who touches everything limits capacity all over the place. Yeah. Whereas the leader who teaches people to think of everything as a system gives capacity uh, all over the, all over with, you know, with all the people. And, and so one of the things that's really tricky is you start a business because you're good at something and then you find out that now you're a manager. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's take another hypothetical. If I may, uh, I own a restaurant. I want it to be a sandwich restaurant. I want it to primarily be lunch and uh, simple foods uh, that people can come in and grab a bite. My chef happens to be really good at a particular item on the menu and has elaborated and it's become a dinner item. It's the, my customers are beginning to figure it out. It's really my only dinner item. It's, it's a full meal. Uh, I mean, all the sandwiches are meals, but uh, I'm trying to say it's more elaborate. What do I do? Do I allow the business to morph? Or do I take the item off the, off the options? I don't know. I'm just throwing out an option. So, but so, I, I know I'm not the chef this guy is. I know I'm not. So I don't want to replace him and become a better chef. So Reed, this is the this is the risk we run when we have uh, a playwright. Oh, sorry. As our host, he he, he now we, now we uh, now we've created a situation. Now I'm hungry, and I'm hungry. You know, and we're cheering <laughs> for these characters. Uh, well, let me let me say um, this is this is one thing that Anne and I have had a lot of fun with helping organizations. Yeah, is um, is we call it the value creation monitoring system, VCMS, it's got a name. And one of the things we do is we look at the different product lines an organization has and how they contribute to the organization's overall profitability. 
And there are a lot of ways of doing that incorrectly. And uh, the accounting textbooks that I have behind me, actually, I threw those away, um, would have you do it in a way that would um, probably, you'd probably make bad decisions. So I don't want to get into the technical aspects, but one of the things we're really interested in is the ability for an owner to look at something like uh, a full uh, dinner offering and say, is that something that's going to add value in our organization or is it going to take it away? And, and either could be true depending on the circumstances, but, but the calculations could, some of our accounting colleagues could mess the calculations up so much that you would decide not to do something that's actually a good idea. And I hope we get lots of, I hope we get lots of calls and letters on that topic. Cause that's a conversation we should probably have, but I don't think a podcast is the place to have that kind of conversation, even with other accounts. Okay. I'm sorry. I, maybe I, I uh, came in with. No, no, no that's great. And you probably have a, another perspective on that scenario. Cause this is a great scenario. I, like, I really think it's great. I think I, I do read um, the thing, the, um, picture that you just painted for us was uh, one of, you know, a manager or an owner has, has choices. And um, at, but the, at the end of the day, when you're looking at the total system, um, the value creation is what's um, in the eyes of your customer ultimately will help you to uh, make the choices. And is it one or the other? Is it both and, and or is it both and a bunch more? Um, but having, you know, we kind of take this back to management attention in that if you're just kind of rolling with it, that's when you start to try to be everything to every person or every yes. customer. Whereas if you can um, step back from that, look at the whole system, maybe maybe go all geek out on uh, the value creation monitoring system, do some calculations, or maybe you can just talk to your customers to help you make that choice. But if you don't step out of it, uh, you won't be able to see what the impact could or would be otherwise. That's awesome. What I'm trying to create or in my illustration is a, a divergent purpose X and a purpose Y. Uh, I'm trying to create a, a situation where uh, my mission statement or what I think I'm producing as a company may diverge from what I originally uh, set out sure. to do. Hey, hey Reed, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. And I'm I apologize for being slow to pick that up. So if you said purpose X was, you know, simple comfort food sandwiches, just grab a bite. Now it's getting all elaborate. And uh, is that getting conflicting with that purpose? Well, I know, I know sometimes organizations become what, what go beyond what was the original uh, what was the original yeah. thought for them? Um, so, uh, so I, th I think one of the things from that, um, that, that, uh, Anne helped us with is anytime you have an opportunity to move away from your very, very core business, you have to count the cost of distracting management attention. 
And it may be worth it. It may be worth it if there are systems there, if uh, someone, you know, below the leader can run with it. Um, but we have both seen highly creative leaders who uh, chase shiny objects and dilute their attention so much that they're less effective at what they started doing. And dilute um, the attention of, of the people that work for them. By, okay, no, that's interesting, Anne. Is it by showing an interest in an irrelevant or an, uh, a dis the distraction is actually hurting the company? Is that what you're suggesting? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're running out of time here and we're going to do this again just with this crew. And so I think we're setting up another topic or I, I mean, we're going to continue to talk about management attention. We have not finished it. But but oh, I think I think I'd we want to talk about that. Let's talk about that. So we should have an we should have an episode devoted to management attention. Right, and and we need more than one. We got distracted. We got <laughs> distracted. So so let's let's pick it up. Um, and I think what we wanted to do with this episode, which we've done, and Reed, you can take us out, is management attention is a precious resource of the organization that we don't tend to manage well. Oh, good. So let's maybe pick it up on, let's talk about best practices for manage for managing management attention. Man, it's tricky, it. isn't I'm it? In. It's tricky. I'm, okay, actually should we do doing that? It, I'm actually doing it to the podcast. That's right. I am actually distracting the podcast. Wow. That is, uh, I, I never thought I had that power. It's very meta. It is. I, You're I'm a actually, true leader. I feel that way. I really, I, I just, I'm going to give myself a raise. Uh, I think we've had a great discussion though. And I brought up some stuff. I, I, we have discussed some things that I find just terrific uh, to have a conversation about. Uh, please. Can we come back and do this again next week? I'd Let's like do to it. do that. Let's do yeah. it. I, I so appreciate it because, uh, I'm very lonely. Uh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. Derek and Anne, Anne, where is where can we find you? What how if somebody wants to talk to you, how do we contact you? You can find myself as well as Derek and some other guides at getunconstrained.com. Nice. Oh, I like that. I was specifically interested in talking to you because oh. you know, I've talked to Derek. And uh, and this is where I am with my life. So clearly it hasn't had much of an effect. Derek, where can people find you? I'm uh, alphabetically under Anne at getunconstrained.com. <laughs> well, I hope people find you as well. I want to thank Derek Hudson for allowing me to come in and hijack his show. And uh, I really enjoy Ann McTaggart, our special guest today. And uh, in the studio, Bryn Griffiths is always there to, to uh, give us a smile and, uh, and be our friend. I am delighted to say, ladies and gentlemen, consider your quest. <laughs>